Oh my god, welcome to this week's episode of Romancing Nancy Drew Party People. My name is Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at Indy Nickerson on Twitter. <laughs> or at Romancing Nancy on Twitter if you are so inclined. As long as that shit is up, we'll see. I mean, it's been holding out so far. My god. This is a very special Christmas episode of Romancing Nancy Drew because, yay! I think this is the first book that we've actually done that was set at Christmas. I think it is. Um, this is the abysmal. <laughs> I have feelings, okay? I've got deep, horrible, horrible feelings involving Nancy Drew Hardy Boys books. You know that they hurt me significantly. Especially, like, book four in this fucking series that I'm not going to read because, my God, I'm going to throw that motherfucker if I have to read that shit again. So, we ain't doing it. But this is book two before that shit happens. So, it's cool. We can pretend it didn't happen. Um, this one is A Crime for Christmas, which, in another fucking universe, this would be a Hallmark movie. Like, I was reading it and going, could I? Could I? Yeah, I absolutely fucking could. Except for this is told from the perspective of your slightly psychotic best friend who has zero interest in your love life and is like, can I fuck it up, though? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, this one came out in December 1988, so I'm gonna make some seasonally appropriate remarks at all times. Oh, content warning, I guess. Is This is violently Christmassy. Like, when I say that this is a fucking Hallmark movie, this is the Hallmark movie of Nancy Drew books, I'm not fucking lying. Like, there's Christmas trees at every corner. There's ice skating at Rockefeller Center. There's the big tree. There's, like, everything. Every... Every New York Christmas trope that you can imagine is crammed into this book, and they want you to fucking know it. So, just start with that premise. If, like, violent Christmas is not your thing, this book ain't here for you. This book is like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just drill it into you. You're gonna need to know all about it. So, the premise of this fucker <laughs> is that Nancy and Bess are on their way to New York City to meet up with Joe and Frank Hardy, who are... Are they too stupid to live? I would say, I'll let you decide, but you already know my feelings on this. Like, oh my god. Oh my god. Like, oh, jeez. They're, mmm. I've got reservations about things. Um, anyway, the premise of this book is that Joe and Frank have been, and I'm putting Joe's name first because I feel like he is the marginally more competent of these two people. <laughs> marginally, marginally. Um, they have been invited to New York City because, as as you recall from the previous time that I hurt myself this way, um, the Hardys are deeply and in, deeply involved with New York City. Like they live in a suburb of New York City ish. Um, their father is active in that location. He's a private investigator, etc. So like Joe and Joe and Frank's father Fenton and Carson Drew are supposed to be roughly contemporaries. So yeah. Anyway, again, I feel like this takes place in a pocket universe, maybe involving Thanos. I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, they've invited Nancy and Bess up there because I'm, I'm going to just let this, let you soak in this, let you just marinate in this for a minute, this, this premise. I love you, Ghost Rider, but you're, you're reaching real hard. The New York City police force has called in, um, I was going to say like North America's, which probably accurate, North America's hottest teen detectives. And I was like, again, it's a short list. It's, it's so short. It's, it's such a very short list. To investigate two cat burglars who have been making some really high profile robberies. 
because they're like, we don't have anybody young enough on the force to tackle this. I was like, what? Um, are, are you going to need somebody to fly some drones? Um, are they using slang, which with you are unfamiliar? Are they tiny? Are they like Barbie size? Like, why, why would it matter the age of the detectives? And the answer to that question is, fuck you. It doesn't fucking matter. It really doesn't fucking matter. The, the premise makes zero sense. I mean, even if you want to say that, like, oh, anybody who has graduated from the department recently is, like, 23 or some shit, which I don't think is true. Like, you can you can get the... Anyway. Anyway. Um, no, it makes zero sense. Also, they seem to have, like, no contact with the cops about this. It's as though the, the police chief, captain, commissioner, I don't remember his name, nor do I fucking care, um, called them in and then was like, but it's a secret, though. It's between us. And I was like you know what this means to me? This means to me that you're like, we can't catch these fuckers. So we're going to shove this off on three teenagers. Know that I'm saying three. Um, and say that it's their fault that we couldn't catch these cat burglars. And I'm like, because you're incompetent at your jobs at every level within this book, if you want to limit it to that, but okay. They've been called in to locate these cat burglars. Um, the cat burglars have apparently, they know some things about them. They're like based on tips. And I was like, who tipped you off? Do you think it was the cat burglars? Do you think it was? I've, what the fuck? Like, mm, I noticed some cat burglary behavior. I noticed some people wearing black jumpsuits. Like, what What the fuck? What What the fuck? Please just... Mm. Anyway, they've called in the teens, disaster teens, to handle this. And, yeah. The next target of said cat burglars is apparently going to be the crown jewels of the Sorbonne. I'm going to just butcher that every time I pronounce it. Enjoy it. Just enjoy my lack of French pronunciation. Um, the crown prince of the Sorbonne is, which I don't, I don't think that's like a legit thing. I feel like that's the name of a really famous school, but it doesn't matter. It really doesn't fucking matter. Again, it's like Genovia or any other made up European country in any Hallmark movie. Just imagine that. He's vaguely French though, so I feel like he's, yeah, there, there's some things though. Um, his name is Jean-Luc because of course it fucking is. What else do you name crown princes who are vaguely French? There is no other name for them. Jean-Luc. Is he balding? Does he look like Patrick Stewart? The answer is sadly no to all that. I have an alternate theory, which I'm going to broach to you at any second now. Um, so yeah, so Nancy has invited Bess along because Bess was like, oh, I would love to help you solve the case. Asterisk, side note, Bess is like horny at all times. Like we've established this. Bess is the character who fucks. Bess is the one who fucked that soap opera star. Bess is the one who's like, at any moment, she's like, I'm going to find Mr. Right or Mr. Right now. Either one of those is acceptable to me. And Nancy's like, I'm going to bring you to New York City in Christmas. Like it's Christmas village. And Bess is like, I'm going to find the love of my life or the next guy to get into my pants. Like it's a short list. One of those two things is going to happen. And Nancy's like, cool. Um, are we going to look for things? Also my other theory about like, there's a plot reason that Bess has to come along on this, but my, or, or George, George could have done it too. My other side reason is that like, if Ned had come along, he would have been like, Oh, it's this like immediately. And there would have been no case. That's, that's my fantasy. That's my internal fantasy on this. Dead is mentioned almost immediately. Like, he's not coming along on this trip. There's, it's just like, oh, yes, I have a boyfriend. A long-time boyfriend named Ned, who I love, who has only one rival, and his name is Frank Hardy. And I'm like, I want to punch you directly in the face. Anyway, 
my god it took me eight minutes to get to the fucking through the fucking premise of this book they're in new york they're in the back of a cab this is how the book fucking opens is nancy and Buster in the back of a cab going from the airport to the hotel which is named the winslow which sounds like i guess 1988 classy but now it just sounds like, oh, you're talking a lot of wood paneling is what you're giving me. You're giving wood paneling. You're giving, like, some snotty people, also cigar smoke, but a lot of wood paneling. So, they're going from the airport to there. Um, they're stuck in traffic, and Nancy's like, what are all those limousines? Also, the person who is driving their cab is singing um, Jack Frost Roasting on an Open Fire. And Nancy takes a minute, and she's like, those aren't the words. And he's like, oh, nobody really notices. Kudos to you. I was like, do you get uh, something off your fare for noticing that he's talking about roasting a human being over an open fire or an uh, anthropomorphic personification? Uh, oh, no, it's fine. Okay. Um, but anyway, so Nancy's like, what are, what's this traffic jam about? And he's like, oh, there's some limos up ahead. Oh, yes. I bet it's the Sorbonne people. And Nancy's like, of course. Yes, we all know about this. It's on all the newspapers. Yes. Fantastic. Bess is like, what if the crown prince is in one of those limos? And he glances over and sees me. And so she pulls out a comb immediately. And Nancy's like, I, I think that he's, I don't, I don't think that's going to be a thing that happens. And Bess is like, fuck you. You never know. And I'm like, that's true though. Bess has the right idea. You never know when you're going to fuck somebody. So make sure your hair's right. Um, she also then puts on some blue eyeliner. And I was like, hmm, way to, way to call back to 1988, y'all. It's cool. It's cool. You're, get, you're giving it in all possible ways. Like, next, she's going to tie on some scrunchies, and it's going to be, like, a classy throwback. So, anyway. Um, they make it... The bill for the cab is, like, 24 bucks by the time they pull up. And I was like, you yeah, know, that feels, like, high in 1988 money. Because Nancy's like, can you, like, find a side street? And he's like, I guess. I don't know. And Nancy's like, yeah, maybe do that, because we're already over, like, $20 on this cab fare. So... Nancy and Bess check into the hotel. Oh, which BT Dubs is being comped because the cat burglars apparently are working out of the Winslow. Which again, you're not you're not giving plaza. It's fine though. When they walk in, everything is Christmassy. Everything. They got a big tree. They've got bows. They've got wreaths. They've got everything. Everything. It's just like classic, classic Christmas. And Nancy's like, yeah, our room is comped. And Bess is like, does that include the mini bar? For reasons. And Nancy's like, let's just not test that theory. Also, remember how I talked in the last book about how Nancy and Bess had a suite and that meant that Nancy and Ned could bang? And I was like, mm, I feel this. Um, their comped room is a standard two beds room with no sweeting happening. Which again, yeah, it's a comped room. But also I'm like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah. And I think they're on the fourth floor and the Hardys are on the fifth floor because I hate them. Um, Oh God. I don't, do I? Yeah, I do. Like, let's just, let me just own it. I try, I keep resisting it, but oh my God, it's so hard. Um, Nancy and Bess decide to do some window shopping before they meet with Frank and Joe, the assholes. Um, did that come out? I guess it did. So they go to like Saks and they go to Bloomingdale's and they like a bunch of different places. And Nancy's like, I can't believe that I bought that incredibly hideously expensive facial cleanser. And Bess is like, you mean the fancy French name facial exfoliating mud something like you can't even get it in River Heights. Like it is, it is very New York. And Nancy's like, or it's mud dyed yellow. One of those two things. And Bess is like, fuck you, bitch. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. And Nancy's like, yeah, sure. The next thing they do, like, they're walking out to go meet 
the idiots when they see that there's a chocolate a chocolate shop chocolate a chocolate shop that's open because Bess is like oh my god like she stops in the middle of the sidewalk and Nancy's like what are you okay and Bess is like the most heavenly smell has reached me I have felt this before as well it was outside Bath and Body Works and it was the peach tea the peach sweet tea scent and yes I have felt this I am Bess I'm just not down to fuck it's fine so Bess is like we have to go to there and so they walk into this store which is called like chocolate encounters no that's that sounds even more deeply weird um like chocolate I don't know it's called chocolate like revelation I think it's chocolate revelations um so they walk in there it is busy as fuck and Nancy's like oh these these all look really good Bess comes in and she is of course immediately chatting up the guy behind the counter because of course again you never know which dick you're going to be riding later so it's good to to just check out all dicks in the area and see which ones are are hitting it right which ones are feeling like they're going to make it to the they're going to make the cut to the top five so Bess is talking to the guy behind the counter she's like Nancy this is Paul and he is about to sell me some fantastic chocolate slash maybe give me his phone number for later reasons and She's like, look at those cute things behind the counter. Oh, my God. And he's like, yeah, I can't give you... Those are actually, like, a special order. We do so many special orders around Christmas. They're, like, little crowns. He's like, but, um, I mean, you can check out one of these other things. And Bess is like, oh, okay. And she pouts. And Paul is like, hang on just one second. And he runs and gets her one and puts it in a little fancy box for her. And he's like, on the house. And Bess is like, oh, my God, you are so cute. And it's very definitely, like... And maybe get in your pants later. But anyway, they do not appear to change to exchange numbers. But who who the fuck knows? Maybe they did. Maybe that happens during this book. So they get they like are stopping to take stock of where they are. They're going to the closest fucking hard rock cafe, which in this book, again, they don't often do the like all out there name dropping but in this book they're like fuck you we're gonna do a lot of name dropping so they're like yeah we're gonna go to the hard rock cafe and meet up with frank and joe and talk about the case and um when they're standing on the street corner somebody fucking grabs bess's bag and runs off with it and nancy and nancy of course immediately gives chase to the thief she catches sight of the bag and she comes up behind the person and kicks his fucking knee out from under him so that he falls down and grabs the bag and when she sees the guy it's is fucking joe hardy and he's like, hey, um, did you think that I was a cat burglar? And Nancy's like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you fucking shoplifting? Like, what is your fucking damage? And Joe's like, well, we saw somebody steal Bess's bag. And so we stole it back. And then we thought it would be a cute prank because Frank is over there losing his shit. Okay, let's back up. Who have I cast Frank as in this fucking book? And I was like, who is the right level of moron and just complete doofus and I've almost settled on Joey from Friends like I just I just want to punch him directly in the face at like 98% of the time occasionally he'll make a good observation but it's a real thin margin like oh my god he's uh, so yes Joey from Friends but Matt LeBlanc Matt LeBlanc is standing in for Frank in this case Joey's I don't uh, Justin Timberlake Let's just let him be Justin Timberlake. Let's just let it happen. Because Joe is also horny as fuck. Like, when we talk about characters who are down to fuck, their names are Bess and Joe. Which is why when I wrote a fic about them, I was like, y'all gonna, y'all gonna be able to bang. There's some definite tension between the two of you. Like, I don't know why the books haven't just let this play out. Because y'all are down to fuck. 
Y'all are down for it. It's fine. So, um, Matt LeBlanc and Justin Timberlake are standing there, which, again, I've got also feelings about Justin Timberlake, which don't involve banging, but it's fine. Like, he definitely seems like he wants to sing about it, though. This is going to be important later. Um, yeah. So, Bess comes up, and she's like, what the fuck are you two doing? And, yeah, it's, it's just real, real bad. So, they hand the bag back, and, of course, and Joe's like, what would you have done if, oh, God, like... And Frank's like, yeah, she whipped your ass. And you're like, yeah, yeah, she did, Matt LeBlanc. Just shut the fuck up. Anyway, so, yeah. Um, maybe Ross. Maybe Ross is a better fit. I'm, I'm not as familiar with Friends as I should be. Please substitute your least favorite of the male from males from Friends for this. Just, is it Matt LeBlanc? I'm just gonna, it's okay. Autofill. Autofill with whatever you want. So, they um get to the hard rock cafe which has like half a car hanging out of it and i was like that feels like early hard rock cafe that feels about right i feel like 1988 is when it was new and fresh and a, a fun idea and now it's like oh cool yeah yeah that no no judgment y'all did some things well i say that like they're dead i don't think they are but anyway um, so they go in there and it's just like packed with people, of course, and they find a table near the back where it's of course loud as fuck. And they're like, is this okay? And everyone's like, sure, we're not gonna be able to hear each other, but it's fine. They're seated next to a table of 12 and the table of 12 is like running their mouths constantly, like shouting over the table. There's like four different conversations happening. There's just a lot going on when Bess looks over and may- meets eyes with somebody sitting at that table. Okay. Who did I cast as him? You're asking. Spoiler alert. I'm going to get to it. So anyway, he's cute. He has brown hair and brown eyes. And he is wearing like narrow sunglasses. I was like, I like that he's not wearing aviators. He's like, I'm going to look like a vampire. It's giving a vampire. Um, so yeah, she looks over and makes eyes at him. He's definitely staring back at her. And Nancy looks over and sees it. And she's like, she's like, this is going to be no help on this case. To which I was like, bitch. Bess is down to fuck. Like, Bess is not here for your cases. Bess is here to be your plus one. And Bess is here to find out if there's somebody nearby who's got some dick that he's willing to sling. Like, that's it. Why were you expecting anything fucking else to happen? But it's fine. So, they're trying to talk about the case, which, again, they know absolutely nothing. And Nancy's like, well, it's fun when you don't know what's going on. And I was like, that is fucking bullshit. And then Frank says something similar, and she's like, I thought something similar, too. And then they look at each other, and then Nancy's like, no, Ned, must be faithful. And I'm like, shut the f- he's Matt LeBlanc, for fuck's sake. Like, why are you trying to sling some pussy at him? Just, just rein that pussy back in. Put it back in your pants. It's fine. And the two of them act, I can't emphasize this enough, they act so fucking awkward around each other that at all times it's like, oh, yeah, um you are it's just it's just real real bad okay just just to accept that it's it's just real real bad it's it's not giving cute it's not giving like oh you two are soulmates it's giving like we're both 13 years old and we've got braces and there's a lot of awkward shit happening that's what it's giving so um after like when the party is getting up to leave the party that in- includes the guy the vampire who's staring at Bess a lot I don't know why they're always vampires maybe so we're calling um he's like hey girl hey and Bess is like hey and he's like yeah I'm sure we'll be seeing each other again soon and Bess is like yeah and you're like he's down to fuck and and she's also down to fuck and Nancy's like I mean I'm I'm fine with it uh, I mean he's a stranger that we've just met but you know, wrap that thing up. It's fine. So they get back to the hotel 
And he, uh, he introduces himself as John. I'm sorry. I forgot to mention that. He's, he's like, my name is John. And I'm, I'm glad that we had an opportunity to eye bang. And that's about it. So, um, they get back to their hotel, to the Winslow, which where all of them are staying. And John is there. And he's like, hey, and they say their room numbers to each other, okay? They're like, what room are you staying in? And I was like, fucking hell. Anyway, so they're like, what room are you staying in? Oh, I'm staying in 430. It doesn't fucking matter. Um, And then John comes up and he's like, hey, I'm staying here as well. And they're like, oh, hey. And then he's like, yes. Um, So you, you want to go out? And Bess is like, right now? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, yeah. And then uh, everybody else is like, this is a real fucking bad idea. Because again, y'all just met and creepy stalker vibes. And so they're like, um, we, we need to get some rest for reasons. And so Bess is like, uh, I guess not. And he's like, well, I'm sure we'll run into each other because I'm staying here as well. And then he, he says goodbye. Nancy and Bess go back up to their room. And Nancy's like, I just, I, I don't know. He, he seems a bit sus. He seems a bit sus. And Bess is like, I can't believe you would judge him. He is super cute. And I think he's going to sling some dick. And I'm here for it. I'm, I'm here to find out how that's going to play out. I've got questions. And he's got answers. And Nancy's like, I just, I don't know about this. When all of a sudden she sees somebody outside their window. And so she turns, again, they're in a hotel room. It's, it's the balcony. So she slams the lights off and picks up the phone. She's like, Frank, get up here right now. Don't ask questions. And then she slams the phone down. Because again, cat burglar, cat burglar activity. So she goes over and I think that, I can't remember exactly. I think it's Nancy who opens the window and she's like, hello? And he's like, oh, thank you. And it's fucking John from downstairs. And he's like, oh, I was just climbing the building. And they're, Nancy and Bess are like, what? And he's like, oh, I enjoy parkour. I, I just enjoy base, base jumping and also parkour. So I was just, yeah, I don't like to be pinned into buildings. I am from a place of vast forest. And I was like, you're giving Edward Cullen. Like, you need to know that far before his time. You're giving Edward Cullen. Um, so he's like, oh yes, I was just, there's, there's a bunch of handholds and, and it's been real fun. Like I enjoy rock climbing and going on long walks down the beach and drinking margaritas. Bess. Anyway. So he's like, I, I guess I'll say bye. And then Frank, of course, pounds on the door. He's like, Nancy, what's going on? And she's like, uh, nothing. It's, it's fine. John's a weirdo. So Frank's like, oh, okay. Okay. So again, John seems super sus. He's just been climbing up the side of the building, much like a cat burglar might. So the two of them are like, mm, they're giving eyes to each other. And Bess is like, what? Hey, people climb hotels. <laughs> and Nancy and Frank are like, they fucking don't, though. And Bess is looking around through her luggage. And she's, she's like, I can't find the chocolate box. And Nancy's like, that's weird. And so she mentions it to Frank. And he's like, oh, I think that we grabbed one of your shopping bags by mistake. So we'll, we'll get it back. That's fine. So, of course, like, it doesn't happen immediately. I think that, like, then he he asks them if, like, maybe the next day they can go out. And so he basically, like, talks them into going out on the town with him. And Nancy's like, we have, like, a mystery to solve. And Bess is like, hey, the crown jewels are going to be on display on Friday. Today is Tuesday. Like, we got time. Just let me get some dick. Let me, let me ride that thing. So they go out to the first night. And again, as you can tell, this is going to happen multiple times. Um, They go out to 
Um, I can't remember the first place I go to. I think that he mentions like some sort of nightclub where they get a dance together and then they, um, which Joe fucking hates John. Joe fucking hates him. And again, I'm like, Joe, admit that you have feelings for Bess. Also, I think that we've mentioned this before. Um, Joe's girlfriend, Iola Morton, in the beginning of the case files for the Hardy Boys series, like, dies in a fucking car bomb. And, like, that's a huge thing for him, which is why I really like the next book, actually. The next book in the series is because it talks about that. In this book, it's like, we ain't gonna mention her. We ain't gonna mention her. We don't talk about Bruno, and we do not talk about Iola. So there's that. Um, but yeah, it's like, Joe, you, you fucking have feelings for Bess. Like, just own it. It's fine. None of us are going to judge you over it. She's a cutie. It's fine. Go get it. Go get on it. She'll allow it. She's here for it. So anyway, so they go out to like a nightclub and they go, and he's like, let's go to a comedy club. And so they go out to a comedy club and like Nancy, Nancy's like, well, we need to get back by 11. And he's like, yeah. And at that point it's like, 10 till 11 and Nancy's like yeah we're not gonna make that deadline huh which again what the fuck does it fucking matter but anyway um so yeah they're at the comedy club and Joe's like this is such a fucking drag and he looks over and he sees that um John has left their table like he made some excuse to leave their table and he's talking to a guy wearing like a white like a nice white coat like which is again unusual like you wouldn't expect that and the they're talking to each other like in a way that it seems like they know each other and Joe's like, none of this seems right. We have a tip that the cat burglar is, um, like an older guy and a younger guy. Like it's maybe a father son team or something similar to that. So like, we need to be on the lookout for that. And this seems to fit that profile. Like we have a young guy who's about our age and then we have an older guy who like seems fatherly. Uh, like he's, he's giving cat burglar according to all the clues that they have. And so they're, they're feeling sus about it. And then he's like, Oh, well, um, oh, I see that it's after our deadline. I guess we got to go back to the hotel. And so he loads them all up into a cab. And Bess is like, are you coming with us? And he's like, uh, well, there's not enough space in the cab. And I was like, technically, that's true. Like, y'all, y'all a lot of people. Y'all a lot of people. So, yeah, they go back to the hotel. And Bess is like, oh, my God, I've met the man of my dreams. And Nancy's like, have you, though? Like... It's kind of weird because Nancy's like, I'm not getting bad vibes off this dude, but I'm definitely getting weird, like, he's not, he's not telling us everything vibes. And I'm again like, Edward Cullen. That's not who I've cast for this. Actually, who I've cast for this is the entire, the entire um, membership of New Kids on the Block is who I cast for this. I was like, at any moment, whenever he reappears, it's another person from New Kids on the Block. And it's just like, they're all wearing tasteful individual earrings and they're all deeply interested in Bess but yeah that's it also I was like can I get Marky Mark in here Marky Mark was like technically a member because on the block and I was like maybe Frank but I was like Frank does not deserve Marky Mark who will plant a celebrity tree like he does not deserve this from his busy pants dropping schedule oh my god I love Clueless anyway so mm, no no you're, you're still giving Matt LeBlanc to me you're giving Matt LeBlanc Justin Timberlake is not pleased with all these le- recent developments so there's that going on because I'm gonna just mix everything because of course you know Justin Timberlake's significantly younger than the rest of these fuckers but it's fine it's fine okay can we talk for just a hot minute about how fucking dumb Frank and Joe Hardy are you're like of course that's why I'm here my god it is your therapy session let's talk about this so matt leblanc has decided that his goal is to look hot while uh justin timberlake takes over by doing some light recon in the lobby of the fucking hotel 
How's he gonna do this, you ask? By using the biggest ass camera in the county with, you know, removable lenses, like just looking real fancy and everything. Just standing there in the lobby being like, I am an architecture enthusiast and I enjoy taking pictures of archways and also maybe columns and Christmas trees. And I'm just, I'm an enthusiast of human nature. So anyway, that's what Joe's dumbass is doing. He's just in the lobby taking pictures of people. And I was like, this feels like a privacy violation in many, many ways. Like, I guess the Winslow is not known for hosting casual encounters with people. Like, apparently the lobby is not used for people who are just like maybe swiping left or right on Tinder. So that's how that's working out for him. He is in the lobby taking pictures when Frank and Nancy decide to check in on him and make sure everything's going okay. And Nancy's like, okay, he's over there taking pictures. And also Frank appears to be smelling my hair, which is fine, I guess. Like there's this one point in this book where they're playing chess and Nancy wins the chess game, but Frank is so fucking distracted that he's like, oh, I have to go up to our room. And I'm like, Nancy wins the damn game. And Frank's like not even physically present for it. She's like, I won in eight moves. Please, please remember that um, Nancy and Ned have this in-joke about Ned needing to teach Nancy chess. And I'm like, I feel like she probably already knows it. And this is just an excuse for them to make out a lot. So I'm, I'm down with it. I'm fine with her being like, I only don't know chess when I'm around Ned. And, and then chess means we're banging. So just understand that. We're taking private, private naked lessons involving a lot of us not even having a chessboard handy so there's that or maybe they have some sort of fun sex game like twister i don't know i don't know twister mixed with chess it's fine maybe they're like peggy and stan in that one Mad Men episode where they're like i can work naked as well as you can so who knows it's fine so um yeah they're in the lobby and justin timberlake slash joe is in there taking pictures when he spots this red hot foxy lady whose last name is fox just to be on the fucking nose about this shit she has long red hair and a cute British accent and Joe slash Justin Timberlake is like, fuck yeah, I'm going to be banging this before the day is done. So she's like, oh, were you taking pictures of me? And Joe's like, no, I just am a column enthusiast, which sounds more like gay subtext, but that's fine. And she's like, cause I mean, if you were like, just, it's fine. Like you're cute too. And he's like, well, I mean, do you want to pose for a picture? I'm just saying. And she's like, yeah, I, I'd be fine with that. You you look like you're a, a good photographer. I'm just getting that vibe from you. I'm getting the vibe that you enjoy taking photos of women without their consent is, is the vibe that you're giving. So anyone who can sing sexy back is, is giving that. So um, she's like, yes, my name is Fiona. And I'm not even going to attempt a British accent because it would be hilariously bad. So she's like, my name is Fiona. I'm staying here with my father. And um, we're just here enjoying the sights, and she's using a lot of fancy language, and Joe's completely smitten, and I want to remind you, you're like, I haven't forgotten, that Joe slash Justin Timberlake is deeply, deeply jealous of Bess and her romance with all of the Backstreet Boys. I'm sorry. <laughs> all of New Kids on the Block. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I can't even. It's, it's got to be New Kids on the Block. It's got to be appropriate to 1988, and also that they have at least a bit of an edge. I've, I've got to give them that. I've got to give them that. Anyway, so Joe's deeply jealous of that. He cannot stand the fact that Bess is banging each one of them, like, just on the regular. So, but he's like, you know what I'm in for? Cute redheads. So, it's fine. Anyway, so he's taking a picture of her. She's like, oh, would you like to hang out with me and my father? Like, again, British. Imagine British. She's giving British. Um, 
And Joe's like, oh, I have uh, something to do. And bye. And it's, again, I cannot emphasize enough. Imagine, like, the smoothest person you know and then invert it. Like, just absolutely, like, negative charisma. Like, my God, they're giving the most awkward. Which, again, makes it more relatable to the teens. But when you're reading it, you're like, I'm cringing every other page. There is, Nancy actually fucking cringes at one point. She's like, this is real, real bad. This is real, real bad. Like, I think that John tries out some dumbass line on Bess. And Nancy's like, he's trying so hard. And, oh, my God. But Bess doesn't even need that. So, anyway. Um, he's and he decides that John is like, yes, let's go to uh, Rockefeller Center to skate on the ice rink. And the kids are like, oh, that's cool. I mean, we got nothing else to do. We got no leads on this shit other than taking covert pictures of people who may or may not be having some rendezvous. Um, so they decide to go. But then John is like, oh, there's there's been some, I don't know, somebody's watching me and I, I need to sneak out of the hotel. Like, I don't remember what fucking dumbass excuse he gives, but it's exactly that dumbass. So. Um, the disaster teens are like, yes, of course, we will disguise you in our clothes and, and put a hat on you. And, oh my God, at the beginning of this book, Nancy is wearing like an Angora beret because, yeah, it's New York. You got to wear French hats. Anyway, so they like disguise them using their various clothing, like a snowman almost, and um, put some fucking eyeshadow to pretend that he's got stubble. I was like, there's other ways. You're you're giving completely new at this. So I'm, I'm deeply disappointed in all of you. And all of you need to report for remedial education in how to actually disguise somebody in an effective way. Sydney Bristow. Sydney Bristow is crying. You're, you're doing that to her. She's a tough lady and you're, you're making her cry. So anyway, um, so they're trying to sneak him out when all of a sudden a fucking cop is like, stop, you're kidnapping the crown prince of Sorbonne. And they're like, fuck the fuck we what because as you knew because this was telegraphed like a motherfucker um jean jean claude or jean paul or jean luc how i think it's jean luc no i think i wanted it to be jean luc let's just be honest here um he's the prince he's the prince and so Bess is like oh my god he's the prince oh my god and just you know faint and sheer like just overcome the other dude who runs out of the hotel is, I'm going to cast him as Vincent Price. He is Count Chocula. I don't remember his fucking name, so he's going to be Chow- Chow- Count Chocula from here on out. But imagine Vincent Price. Um, he's like, you you snuck away from your security detail, and, and how dare you, and blah, blah. Anyway, so he gives him a raft of shit. And um, anyway, so the prince gets to be suitably regal and be like, I give the royal no. And just, just give him douche, basically. Just literally and figuratively just just not doing great in many many ways and so um they're like oh my god he's the crown prince he's not a cat burglar he's the crown prince i was like i mean he can be brave it's fine let's make this a more complicated hallmark movie but it's fine um so he still wants to get a rockefeller center and he he's like yeah let's go and also there's supposed to be a okay at the metropolitan museum and i was like i think the met has a longer name than that but anyway it's it's supposed to be the met based on where it's located um, they're supposed to go to, like, have a preview of the crown jewel display and uh, the disaster teens. I'm naming them that for this because it's just a series of disasters, let's be honest. I also use that for the teens in Big Sky who make disastrous decisions at every possible turn. But anyway, 
Um, so the teen detectives, the hot teen detectives are like, oh yes, let's go to the preview sale of the crown jewels. It's fine. Um, and then there's going to be a UN thing on the real day afterward because they're joining the UN. They casually note in the cab because no one has reviewed the notes the lengthy Wikipedia reinforced notes that were made about this damn case. They're like, yes, the Sorbonne, um, they said they were going to join the UN and then they, I don't know, it was never formalized or some shit. And then somebody wanted to make a dictatorship and that's uh, Count Chocula was on that side. And then he's a cousin of the king by marriage, but he's in ill health. And you're like, yeah, all this feels super anvilicious. So just, just keep going. Just keep going. Anyway, so, um, they decide to all go and, um, Frank shows up wearing, um, a disastrous outfit. It's, it's Joey, but horrible. Like just, just real, real bad. He was like, I didn't bring anything appropriate for this. And I was like, there are places that rent you tuxes. I've heard of them. And I think that you have too, where they can be like, Oh, did you need some formal wear? Can we help you out with that? I have no idea what Nancy's wearing for this scene because the book doesn't fucking care. I would care. Um, I want her and Bess to go to Macy's and pick out some absolutely over... Let's just do Met Ball. Let's just do it. Let's just do the Met Gala. Let's... Come on. Let's give completely bonkers fashion. But anyway, the book does not care about this at this point. I think she's wearing, like, fat, like suitable heels because, oh my God. Anyway, depending on what happens later. Anyway, so the the prince is like, oh, let's, let's get out of here. Let's, let's dodge my guards and let's go for a carriage ride. And everyone's like, uh, damn it. Because of course, Bess is immediately like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. So they head out. They're at the, they're at the edge of central park. And I was like, okay, so yeah, they're at the mat. Um, and Bess sees a chestnut cart, like right there on the street. And she's like, oh my God, let's chestnuts. Perfect. And he walks over to the, the prince, walks over to the chestnut cart, and he's like, five huge bags of chestnuts, if you wouldn't mind, sir. And the guy just grabs him and throws him in the back of a van. Uh, you know, this is a thing that happens to crown princes. They are thrown into the backs of vans when they think that they are going to be buying chestnuts. That's, that's what happens to them. That is their life. That's, you know, they, they have to deal with that. So anyway, whichever member of the new kids on the block she is currently seeing... I was like, I love it though. I love that he probably has his man. The the entire band is like their manager is like, yes, I'm going to pretend you're all the same person and that you're a prince of the Sorbonne because we're betting that these teenagers don't know the difference and this is gonna make some really fun tabloid fodder. Anyway, I mean that's just my head cannon. Results may vary. Your mileage may vary as well. So, um, tosses him unceremoniously into the back of the van. Um, the van takes off. Joe goes over to the prince's limousine. Uh, the chauffeur is passed the fuck out, as anyone would be. And Joe's like, get out of the way! And, like, pushes his ass out of the way. Gets behind the wheel of the car. All the other teenagers get into the back of the car. And they manage to take... I think that, actually, uh, Count Chocula makes it in first. Vincent Price makes it into the limo before they take off from the curb. And they careen down the streets of New York trying to chase this unmarked gray van. And they catch up to it, motherfuckers! They catch up to it. And that's how you know that none of this is based in reality. That's, that's how you know. So Justin Timberlake catches up with the van. Um, some horses end up in their path that seem to be not related to the actual event, but I have my suspicions. Anyway, so the horses get into their path. Um, Joe slash Justin Timberlake, like, yanks the steering wheel so they end up, like, in, in the field, probably in Central Park, fuck. And, um, 
but the van is also over there and the kidnappers are trying to get the prince onto one of the horses and so they the teenagers manage to punch their way over there and, and get to the prince and rescue him and he's like all in a day's work and nancy's like uh what this is no no the, this is not ringing as true like none of the detectives are like yeah sure we we walk off kidnapping attempts at all times like because they do but it just seems he seems extremely cool about this because Bess is like oh my god my poor baby and he's like I'll save you like anyway it's giving set up it's it's giving set up so um Nancy's like okay so is there any connection between the cat burglars and the um the attempted kidnapping of the prince like what's going on and the prince is like I think they're the same person I think they're the same set of people and Nancy's like how so and he's like well one seemed young and one seemed old and Nancy's like any more that you might want to add to that and he's like no and Nancy's like okay um sure hon so anyway the next day they go I think the next day is the day that they go to the um uh, Rockefeller Center to go ice skating and Bess is out there skating with the prince um I think that Joe Joe like has a shit fit at that point because he's getting super jealous about everything and he also has a huge boner for Fiona who he hasn't been able to bang yet and he's seeing Bess get lucky with the prince and he's like this is all bad and like joe's like storms off and then frank's like well i no one's helping and nancy's like why doesn't everybody shut the fuck up because i was like this is all fucking manufactured drama like come on come the fuck because again you got 18 chapters in with cliffhangers not all of them are gonna be bangers and this one definitely ain't so um nancy's looking out there and she's watching them skate together and frank's next to her smelling her hair like he's not but he also is um and he's like yeah it seems kind of romantic um another thing that happens is count chocula is like yeah you're just trying to impress your girlfriend he says this to frank in reference to nancy and nancy's like well i'm not gonna i mean it hardly seems worth it to correct him because he's on a tear and he's also an asshole um like they have lunch with him all of all the group has lunch including count chocula and he's like well, if you weren't trying to bang that gold-digging whore, like, talking about Bess, and everybody at the table is like, sir, like, oh my god, like, and the, the prince, of course, is like, how dare you, like, he says it again in front of Bess, like, Bess is not at the table at the time, he says it again, no, I'm sorry, they had gone off behind a Christmas tree to talk, because that's what they do in this book, um, he says it again in front of Bess, and the prince draws himself up and is like, you will apologize in writing to both Miss Marvin and my father for that shit, thank you, drive through, and Count Chocula is like, oh yes i i will definitely do that he's such a fucking dick damn it count chocula so anyway where were we anyway so count chocula had referred to nancy as frank's girlfriend and they hadn't corrected that and so nancy was like i mean we're not though like to herself so later frank's like yeah when when he said i was trying to impress my girlfriend and nancy's like yeah that was dumb right and frank's like I mean, was it? And they look at each other, and then immediately somebody screams. And I was like, correct! Cock block that! Cock block it! Put cement walls. Brick that thing in. Cask of Amontillado. Just handle it. Anyway. 
and I don't remember who the fuck screamed, but anyway, they look out, and the prince is talking to the chestnut vendor, like, across the skating rink, so they can't see what the fuck's going on. Nancy and Frank do not have skates, and so they go over to the person who is renting out skates, and they're like, we need skates right now, and the rental person is like, okay, and taking it as slow as they possibly can, and so they go over to, like, the return stack, and they're like, we'll just take some of these, here's some money, and the rental person is like reasonably like you don't even know if those are your fucking size and they're like we don't care and nancy snatches some that are too big for her so she has to lace them real tight and i'm like again you're wasting a lot of time also it feels deeply unsafe to put on ice skates that don't fit you i'm just gonna say it no one else is so anyway they go out there and by the time they get their asses out on the ice because you're like 15 minutes have passed by this point they're gone Bess is, Bess has left. Joe has left because Fiona showed up. Fiona showed up and was like, hey, you want to go skating? And Joe was like, fuck yeah, my mood has brightened considerably. And so he takes her out on the ice and is like, oh, well, let's, let's go back to the hotel. They can't find the prince. uh, Or like, I think that Bess like says, oh, he had a thing or some shit anyway. Yeah. So deeply, deeply sketchy, deeply sketchy. So Joe, um, he says that he'll meet them back at the, at the hotel. Joe takes Fiona. So, okay. Again, in that, the prince is played by all members of New, of, um, New Kids on the Block, just alternating. Um, I have decided that Fiona will be played by Isla Fisher or Amy Adams alternately. So, he takes Isla Fisher, Justin Timberlake takes Isla Fisher up to his hotel room, and he's like, yes, let's go to my dark room. Okay, it has been referenced earlier in this book that the dark room like he has a legit dark room like where he can develop these pictures he's been showing the pictures that he's been taking from the lobby to the security staff so that they can say like oh yeah that's that's this dude who's home on vacation from college with his dad or whatever the fuck like just vetting all the pictures and making sure that all of them are like legit guests and i was like of course they're fucking legit guests i hate all of you anyway so they have their dark room set up Another plot thread I'm going to pick up at this point is that remember how that that shopping bag got mixed up with their shit? Like, Nancy and Bess come back to their room and find it completely torn up, but nothing's missing. And Bess's jewelry is not missing. Um, Later on... mm, uh, Later on in the book, Frank and Joe's room is also fucked up, but I don't think it happens yet. But anyway, spoiler alert, it happens. Um, anyway, so Joe goes up with Fiona to the dark room, the quote unquote dark room. He's like, yes, a deeply romantic room. And I was like, I've been in fucking dark rooms. They ain't romantic. They are full of chemicals. <laughs> like, it's like only a glowing red light with us. And I was like, again, not as sexy as you might want it to be. I'm just saying, uh, or maybe nothing is as sexy to me as these incredibly horny teens would find it to be. So anyway, he takes her in there because he's like, oh, do you want to see the picture that I took of you? And she's like, oh yes, I desperately want to see the picture that you took of me. And I was like, we all know where this is going. So they're developing the picture. Um, and Joe hears somebody come into the outer room, goes out there to see who it is. Um, like, chases a person, finds, like, fire extinguisher foam all over the steps to the basement, like, picks his way down there, there's nobody up there, goes back up to his room, Fiona's gone, and the print that he had been making of her picture has turned black, which means it had been exposed to light before it was supposed to be, and the negatives are gone, and Joe's like, huh, huh, 
Um, there's another point in this book where, um, Joe goes up to the, oh, I think the Joe goes up to the room to maybe grab, uh, grab some notes or something that was pertinent to their case. And, um, he doesn't come back. And this is the point where Nancy and Frank are playing chess and Frank just completely zones out and he's like, I've got to go get Joe. I don't know what the fuck's going on with him. And Nancy's like, I want our game dipshit, but okay. Um, so Joe goes up there gets conked on the back of the head. And then when Frank comes up there to chew him the fuck out, because like, seriously, Joe's like just laying there like, Oh my God. And Frank's like, you fell asleep at a time like this. And I'm like, clearly he didn't. You dip shit. Because the elder man in there with him who, oh shit, who's playing him? Hector Elizondo um, is like, oh, hello. I am Fiona's father and I am a doctor and I have put some ice on the back of Joe's head. And I think he's going to be fine. Just keep an eye on him. I have to go. Bye. To all of you who were like, what you're telling me is Joe got hit on the back of the head and now he um, wakes up to find Fiona's father over him, who was like, oh, I was passing by, and your door was slightly ajar, and I heard moaning, and I came in to check it out, and there you were. If any of you went to where my mind went, yeah, yeah, I know. This is why I refer to them as the dumbest teenagers in the world. So, so far, again, okay, um, Joe has been taking pictures, and Bess has been dating the prince. That's that's how that's played out so far. So good job all around, guys. Good job all around. Oh, my God. Okay, so for this next scene, imagine that Frank is being played by the nerdiest of the friends, the male cast members. Um, I don't know who that would be. Ross? Let's go with Ross. Um, so, yeah, he's in there smelling Nancy's hair which is his goal in life. Oh my God, I hate him so much. Um, they're at the club. It's, it's popping. And also the way that you know it's Christmas is because there's glitter falling and it is red and green glitter. They have not decided to be inclusive and throw some blue in there because that would make everything super weird. Um, possibly some gold in there as well. Maybe some silver just to make it super sparkly. There is a wall of TV sets. I love how in the Nancy Drew Files, the way that you know that you're at the club is there's a wall of TV sets and they're all tuned to MTV. Like, that's how you know. Um, up on the stage, like, the lead singer is just going to town. And I love the idea that all the members of the New Kids on the Block who have been taking turns pretending they're a prince with Bess are like, we're aching to get up there on that stage and just rip into this crowd. We're loving it. We want to be there. But in the meantime... Um, at this point, the <laughs> disaster teens have been hired to be the bodyguards for the prince, and he, of course, is not down, not down to clown with any of this. He's, he ain't here for it. So, Count Chocula's off in the corner or whatever the fuck. I don't think he's there. I don't think so. Um, it's fine. But... Bess is there dancing with the prince. Um, Joe is there dancing with some brunette. Um, I think that Fiona was not available for some on the dance floor banging. Um, but yeah, Frank's over there just gently smelling Nancy's hair being like, yeah, remember that whole dumb shit Count Chocula being like, and you're just trying to impress your girlfriend and Frank being like, huh? And Nancy being like, hmm. And he's like, yeah, it'd be weird if we were dating and Nancy's like could this conversation be more awkward um when all of a sudden Beth screams okay to set the scene a little bit further other than the wall of tv screens and the glitter and the guy up on stage and I th are there backup singers in a cage I don't even fucking know um 
Uh, sure, they, they can be all glittered up for Easter. It's fine. Um, there's four tunnels at the back of the room because Frank, who, again, in this scene is being played by the nerdiest friend character, um, is like, yes, this was a speakeasy during Prohibition. And it says, like, maximum age 18 over one of the tunnels, which I thought was interesting. But it's like, you would come in, and I think that the tunnels were like an escape route so that if the cops showed up that you could, I don't fucking care. I don't care. Anyway. But Nancy's like, oh, you knew that off the top of your head? And he's like, I have memorized the entire guidebook. And I was like, okay, so you don't get to be Joey for this scene. I guess you're going to be like somebody else who is annoying in a different way. So all of a sudden, like I said, they hear best scream, and they see that there's there are like people in ski masks in the crowd which again like nancy's like there's someone in a ski mask and joe's like i mean it's a cold night and i was like joe justin timberlake no no honey bad just smack him with a rolled up newspaper he'll probably get into it so they are the masked people are dragging bess and the prince out one of the escape doors and of course nancy and frank and joe like run after them to catch them but it's like pitch fucking black in the tunnels and so they have to like grope around and there's a flashlight involved and blah blah it doesn't matter anyway they catch up and I think that Nancy actually manages to get the one who has best. Like he, she runs up and like, oh, she runs up and actually takes the ski mask and swipes it around so the person can't see. And I was like, I like it. I mean, it's super dumb that the person wearing the ski mask did not immediately remove it. And when they got into the tunnel, but okay, like, sure, but sure, why not? Anyway, so she reverses the mask and she's able to disable the assailant that way. Um... Frank and Joe, of course, are completely useless, so they're running after the other ones. Frank loops around, actually, and because he remembers off the top of his head where the escape route ends, and so he circles back and, and manages to grab the other guy before they get away with the prince. Okay. Again, everything is dumb and wrong. Sure. I mean, yes, I, absolutely. But anyway, they get the prince back, and the prince is like, he actually, like, fucking faints at this point. He's like, oh, my God, they were gonna, uh, and then he, like, passes out, and Bess is like, oh, my God, honey, oh, no, and, like, cradles him, and Nancy and the two idiots are like, huh, because, as you remember, during the previous kidnapping attempt, he was like, he just brushed some invisible lint from his shoulders and was like, wow, that was exhilarating, and so for this one, she's like, interesting like he actually seems freaked out like the other one he 100 percent did not mm, mm, okay okay so the thing is and nancy kind of notices this at the time but not enough to actually like comment that much on the first person they grab is bess not the prince which is unusual. So anyway, um, so after this is when um, Joe has the dark room fiasco with Fiona. The fiasco with Fiona. This would be a great podcast name. Get on it. Get on it. Somebody named Fiona. Um, but yeah. So Joe has Joe's just been through that, um, and then the prince is like, "Let's." This is like the next day. The prince is like, let's go on a carriage ride through Central Park because I'm working out so well with horses. Like, that's the thing that's going well for me. Um, So, of course, like, he and Bess grab one. And then that leaves Nancy and the Hardys to grab another carriage to catch up with them. 
And I feel like Count Chocula was like, I don't know. I don't, I think that he was basically like trying to lose his bodyguard or some shit. But anyway, it doesn't fucking matter. Nothing matters. Um, so yeah. Um, so they're following along and like Nancy's like, okay, we need to keep them in sight, you know, because kidnapping attempts. But she's sitting there thinking while Frank is still trying to smell her hair. And she's like, something doesn't make sense. And then the penny drops and she looks at Joe and she's like, Joe, um, how did Fiona know that she had a picture of her? And Joe's like, well, she's home. to take a picture of her. And she posed for it. And Nancy's like, uh-huh. And you um, volunteered to make her another print of the picture? And he was like, yeah, she she really wanted a print of the picture for her dad. And, and I said that I would make it for her. And I thought it would be cute. And Nancy's like, uh-huh. And, um, okay. When you um, left her alone in the darkroom, she vanished. And the negatives vanished. And the... And he's like, yeah, it was the strangest thing. And Nancy's like, who would have the motive to steal the negatives and the prints? And Joe's like, no. And Nancy's like, yeah, yeah. Um, she, she and her doctor father are the thieves we've been looking for. The Hardys at first are like flabbergasted. I was like been slapped with a fish the expression of a man who has been slapped with a fish so they're just sitting there like oh my god no and I was like because first off okay Justin Timberlake thinks with his dick okay it's fine I get it like he he wanted some I get it but like the one who's supposed to be the smart one being like no like murdering um so they're talking and Nancy's like yeah and so Joe's like we got to get back we got to get them before they leave and Nancy's like yeah, they're going to be gone, but okay. Um, so they have to, of course, catch up with the Prince and Bez. And so they tell the driver, they're like, okay, you need to go faster. You need to catch up with them because like a big gap has opened up between them. So the driver tries to go faster, but blah, blah. So the they're like, no, it's fine. And so they get out and race on foot. And I was like, this feels like a bad decision, but okay. So a limo pulls across the path, um, and Bess and the prince are pulled into it. And they actually do catch up enough to be like, no, stop, and, and try to get involved. But then the kidnappers pull out pistols, and they're like, oh, okay, no, no, it's okay. Bess is screaming. Um, the prince looks very stressed. Um, they pull off the limo fishtails and, and makes its way into the night. And all that's left is a piece of paper I think that Joe finds a piece of paper Justin Timberlake who you know it's cold enough that his dick is like I will let you think for a minute I'll let you think for just a minute but then I'm gonna be back it's got a set of numbers on it and then like a division symbol and some more numbers and then equals and equals two other numbers which equals this other thing and Nancy's like so some jackasses math and work and they're like I don't know like it it can't have been out here long because it's not wet and it's clearly like very snowy outside. So they're like, maybe it's a clue. And you're like, of course it is because you got no other way to track these motherfuckers. So they go back to the hotel. Joe goes up to the front desk and he's like, Fiona Fox and her father. And they're like, yeah, they just checked out. And Joe's like, son of, did they leave an address? <laughs> and they're like, no, bitch, they didn't leave an address, but good try. And Nancy's like, they weren't, they weren't going to be here, honey. They, that was just not a thing that was going to be in the cards for y'all. But, I mean, it's cool. It's cool. So, um, they, of course, have to tell Count Chocula that um, they lost him. So, they go up to Vincent Price's suite, and he's on the phone barking. And he's like, no, I said Lexington Avenue. 
And then he opens the door and he's like, I sent them out to Macy's and they don't know where they are. Like the bodyguards. He was like, good job giving them the night off. And Nancy's like, um, so bad news. Um, the, the prince got kidnapped and also best. And he's like, son of a bitch. And like, just starts throwing shit. And he's like, you are the worst and blah. blah. And Nancy's like, yeah, but we're still in it. Cause, uh, my best friend is in that limo. So I don't, he's like, I'm going to, Oh, and they're like, we should contact the police. And Count Chocula's like, no, no, we don't want the negative publicity. And I'm like, fucker. What, do, do you want him back or no? I mean, I can't emphasize enough that the cops have been like deeply, deeply unhelpful at all points during this novel. But I'm just, seems like standard procedure. I'm just going to point out. They may have some tips. They may be like put out a, a bio bolo for like a stretch limo that keeps fishtailing into shit. Something, something. But anyway, he's like, no, no, it's it's fine. We're going to. We're going to, um, we'll do everything we can. So like the, the most hilarious thing about this is that they just go back up to Nancy's room and they're trying to think through it. And Nancy's like, you know, they got Bess into the limo first, like something weird's happening here. Something real fucked up is happening here. So they're trying to think through it. They're trying to think of like what they could possibly do. They they feel incredibly shitty for letting letting the kidnappers get to the prince. And I was like, again, the loosest possible security when they were like, let's follow them in another horse drawn carriage, but let like a mile open up between us and it's gonna be fine. Vibes. We're just gonna operate on vibes at this point. Anyway, so they're just sitting there like puzzling through things when all of a sudden they hear like something slam into the door and when they open it it's the prince and he's out of breath. It's, it's one of the members of new kids on the block. It's whichever one has escaped and he's got his tasteful earring and he is just out of breath. And he's like, Oh my God. I'm, I'm just, I'm just. And they're like, where's Bess? <laughs> like that's Nancy's present concern. She's like, okay, you seem to be fine. Where's Bess? And he's like, I don't know. And Nancy's like, what the fuck do you mean? You don't know where, wh- okay. Where did you come from? And he's like, I don't know. And she's like, okay, bitch tell me everything. Okay. So they took Bess and the Prince to some like super sketchy abandoned building situation, uh, tied them up to chairs in separate rooms. Um, they were asking Bess something, but she kept screaming like, and Nancy was like, like she's being tortured. And the Prince is like, no, no. Like she just like, she was screaming for me. She was screaming for help. She was just like, it, it didn't sound like she was being tortured. And Nancy's like, well, uh, until you left. Anyway, so the prince is like, yeah, they were, they left me in a different room and I was hearing it and I, um, I found an opening like they didn't tie me up well enough or some shit anyway. And so he, he, he just hauled ass whenever he found an opening. And Nancy was like, and you didn't go get Bess, who was screaming, so you could clearly tell where she was. You just decided to nope out of that. And he was like, I was scared. And I was like, bitch. Like, this is the kind of situation that you're like, do I tell my best friend that her, the love of her life or the love of this 10 minutes was like, you know what? I'm going to look out for number one. Anyway. It's just real, real bad. And Nancy's like, do you know where you got, like, do you have an address? And he's like, no, I just ran. And Nancy's like, 
sure, sure. Any, anything else you can tell me would be great. And he was like, oh, um, I was, I was very near a metro line. And Nancy's like, oh, okay. Um, which stop? And it's the one near Lexington Avenue. You know where this is going. You understand. Yes. Okay. So anyway, they're like, okay, so we can, we can figure this out. So they had, Nancy's like, why did you come to us instead of Count Chocula? And <laughs> his name is not Count Chocula, but for fuck's sake, just, just give me this. Anyway. Um, so like, why did you not go to Count Chocula? And he's like, I just didn't want somebody to yell at me first thing in the door. And Nancy's like, guess what, bitch? Um, that ship has sailed. You're, you're a horrible person. <laughs> She got zero fucks at this point. So anyway, she's like, well, now I have to go get Bess. So they take um, the prince, Jordan Knight at this point, up to Count Chocula's room. And he's like, oh, my God, you're back. You're back. Like, he's at first very shocked. And then he's like, oh, I'm, I'm so glad you're back. And they're like, okay, we got to go save Bess. And he's like, of course, let's get the limo. So the same guy who's been driving the limo, who I think is Francois, it doesn't actually matter, um, is like, okay, where are we going? And they don't really know. They just know that they're like a bad part of town. So there's one point where they're arguing about some shit, like the Count Chocula and the Prince are arguing about some shit. And the teenagers are like, when they like, they need to stop and get gas. And so they're like, oh, let's, let's go get some snacks from the convenience store so they go inside and he's like do you have a, a map because she remembered something there's like a mathematical way to tell where addresses are on a grid system which i don't think i remember at all anyway so she's like okay if you're in new york and you're looking for blah blah then you take this and you divide by this and that gives you the cross street and blah blah so she's like okay so according to this it's 234 lexington avenue or Lexington, like maybe that's the name of the building, and then like I don't know. It, it, anyway, it it has something to do with that damn piece of paper they found. So Nancy's like, okay, we know where we're going, and they're like, oh great. So Nancy tells them to take them near the building, but not to the building, and they say that they'll wait because at this point she doesn't trust Count Chocula, and she shouldn't. Um, She's like, why was he saying Lexington Avenue on the phone? I can't, I can't emphasize this enough. I do love that the ghostwriters of these books are like, okay, so Nancy has all the brain cells of this group and the Hardys occasionally will punch something. Like that's what they're here for. Just rock them, sock them robots at all points. So um, they find the correct building, which of course looks like a fucking haunted house. Like it's, it's just real, real bad. It's, it's decrepit, falling apart and everything. So Nancy and Frank go to like the fire escape but it immediately like creaks and gives them away and they are taken inside a gunpoint so that leaves joe and the prince to breach the building so they look at each other and the prince is like okay i will make a diversion you go save Bess and nancy and frank who of course have gotten kidnapped who like they can overhear them and frank's like Yes, the cops are already surrounding the building, and Nancy's like, SWAT is here, and they're going to kill you, and it's, y'all, y'all just trying real, real hard. So, Bess, Bess is upstairs, is what they've determined, so Frank and Nancy are near her, it doesn't fucking matter, so Joe is like, okay, I need to get upstairs, and he's not even all the way upstairs, like, he ends up on, like, part of the fire escape. The, before this, like, as they were walking up, the prince was like, oh, look, construction equipment. <laughs> It looks like dinosaurs in this light. And 
Joe's like, that was a really weird thing to say, but okay, like, you do you, hon. So anyway, so the prince goes over and gets some of the construction equipment and starts just wailing on the building. And I was like, if I had a loved one in a building, I don't know that I would attack it with construction equipment. I don't know that that would be on my list of things to do. Or the more accurate is that he's indulging a fantasy he's had since childhood of just ramming a wrecking ball into a building. And he's like, tonight's the night. I feel it. The universe is in line to give me this. Anyway, so he's, he's wailing on the building. The people inside are like, oh my God, we got to barricade the door. Blah. Anyway, so it allows Joe to get inside so that he can get a bus. Um, he gets to Nancy and Frank and they untie everybody. They get downstairs. The, um, the dipshits are downstairs at the door trying to barricade it. Um, and they, they start shooting at the prince once the prince actually gets inside. At this point, he's on a forklift. <laughs> the least sexy of all construction equipment. Um, so he manages to breach the building on a forklift and they're shooting at him. And he, um, he like slumps down like he faints, but his foot is still on the gas. And I was like, of course, there's something else. On- oh, okay. Um, I remember now. Um, so he's coming in hot and Bess is like, oh my God, Prince dipshit. And so she runs toward him, but he has passed the fuck out. And so he nearly just takes her out by just plowing right into her with a forklift, which would leave a lot of marks. You would not have an open casket. Um, mm. So Joe, like, tackles her ass and gets her out of the way. And she's like, oh, my God, what happened? And it's like he got cut by flying glass. Like, he didn't even get shot. Um, But he comes to and he's like, oh, Bess. And she's like, oh, my God, you saved me. And the three teenagers are like, yeah, that totally happened. Sure. I mean, credit where credit's due. He did drive a forklift into the building. Um, So the teenagers climb onto it, which I was like, okay, okay. Let's say that the prince is a slender whip of a boy. Um, You might be able to fit one more person on that forklift. But all of them get on it. And I was like, "Mm, not not instrument rated. Not not a thing you want to do. Like, they're climbing up on the forks. (laughs) I was like, you're breaking all the rules. OSHA will have stern words. They're going to write you a strongly worded letter and maybe fine you. So when they get outside, the limo's gone. It's it's fucking gone. Like Count Chocula, Francois, all of it, the entire vehicle. So they have to drive the fucking forklift to the damn metro station. And as soon as they get there, they're like, what are you? We feel like we need to arrest you on principle. And the prince is like, guess what, bitch? I am Joey McIntyre, and that is not going to happen. Check out this tasteful earring and also just my general demeanor. I'm going to sing Hanging Tough for you. It's going to be great. Um, anyway, so they managed to get back to the hotel. And I th- I think um, Count Chocula has some bullshit reason for why he wasn't there. Like, oh, we got called away or some bullshit. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So after they get back, um, Bess is like, yeah, I didn't. And Nancy's like, did they say, like, why they could? Was it to get ransom for the prince? Like, anything? And Bess is like... I didn't get him, let him get a word in edgewise. I was screaming about everything. I was telling them they need to let me go. I was, everything. I, you would be proud of me. And I feel like, first off, like, again, Bess is the one you don't want to be kidnapped because she's physically the weaker of the three girls. Um, she's also, like, like mental strength-wise the weakest of the three girls. But, like, she's good at some shit. She's good at some shit. So she was, she's very proud of herself. And I'm like, 
you you get this you get this girl y'all should you need to have disappointing sex with that prince because he's he's probably willing to sling you some dick so it's fine just check it out just give it a test drive but Bess is like it's it's been a fucking day I, I really want that crown chocolate that she bought at the beginning of this book that keeps being shuffled back and forth between the rooms um so Joe's like oh let me go get it so he brings it to her I think I think actually like they had brought it to Nancy and Bess's room before and it was just in one of the shopping bags in the corner. So they pull it out and Bess takes a bite of it. She's like, oh, what the fuck? And inside it is like yellow plastic. It's as though she bit into like the worst possible gusher. And Frank looks over and he's like, oh yeah, that's plastic explosive. And Nancy and Bess are like, it's plastic explosive oh okay what and he's like yeah plasticine and you're like okay this is why you're here because the hardies are supposed to be like if we're talking action they're supposed to be more actiony than nancy drew basically and again nancy does not often interact with international spies and criminals it's more like people who enjoy faking their kidnappings with creepy goth motorcycle gangs like that kind of shit so I was like, okay, it's your time to shine, Frank. Tell us all about plastic explosive. So Nancy's like, okay, so what what are we talking here? Like, how how bad is this? And Frank's like, oh, all you got to do is add a detonator and you're good. And Nancy's like, oh, okay, that, that sounds real bad. Um, And how many crowns were there <laughs> at the store? And Bess is like, um, like 20. <laughs> And all of them look at each other and they're like, we have to figure out where those crowns were going because wherever they were going, that place is going to get fucking blown up. And also Joe looks at them and goes, they look familiar, but I can't place it. So now they know that the, that's why people kept ransacking their rooms. And that's also almost certainly why they were kidnapping Bess is because they knew that Bess had bought one of the chocolates and they needed to get it fucking back before she discovered what the fuck it was. So, they split up at this point. I don't remember what the fuck Nancy and Frank are doing. I think that maybe they're getting ready to go to the reception. I don't know. Um, Because, of course, as you remember, Fiona and her father, who are AWOL, are presumably going after the crown jewels, which are at the Met thingy. Yeah. Anyway. Bess and Joe decide to go to the chocolate shop where Bess picked up the chocolate to see if they can find out where the chocolates were going because all Bess remembers is that they were for some sort of special event. So when they get there, the sign is closed and there's a sign on the door that says, um, making a delivery be back soon. And so they look around and they're like, son of a bitch. But there is a window open on the top floor and it's emitting chocolate like it's coming out of Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. So Frank looks at Bess and he's like, okay, I will parkour up there and climb into that window and find the records. And Bess is like, um, it's in plain view on the street and everyone can see you right now. And Joe's like, so you need to create a diversion. I have faith in you. So Bess is like, son of a bitch. So she's looking around at everything and Joe's like, okay. So somebody actually like notices him pretending Spider-Man and they're like, what are you doing? 
So Bess like falls backward onto a street vendor and the person's like, what are you doing? And it becomes chaos and every, so Joe sneaks in. He's in an upstairs room that's like full of chocolate prep equipment, including large scary vats. Good job. So he goes over to the computer and he sees that they are indeed doing a delivery of the chocolate crowns to the same place where the crown jewels are because that's how the shit works it's always going to be that so um joe is like son of a bitch so um he is about to like close out the computer when somebody comes into the room with him and it's the guys that were doing all the kidnapping which of course they're mad now and and they have, you know, almost been killed by a forklift. So they've had a night. And, um, yeah, so they, I can't remember how exactly this happens. There's a lot of fighting at this point. Um, I don't think Bess gets in there. I think that Nancy and Frank get in there. Like, I, I don't know if it's that they're coming in to see what's going on or whatever the hell. But anyway, so there's a lot of punching. And Joe gets... Justin Timberlake gets tossed into one of the chocolate vats and he's like, this is how I die. And then he gets in there and he's like, oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> I mean, drowning in chocolate, if one has to die, I'm just saying. So he um, manages to get out of the chocolate vat, which of course now he looks like Gumby if Gumby was on an Axe body spray commercial. Um, but they, I can't remember how exactly they scare the guys off. I don't know if I don't know what happens. I don't know if they set off an alarm or some crap, but anyway. Um, yeah, so they get out of there, and everyone's like, okay, we have to go to the reception. That's that's where all the, the plastic plastic explosive crowns are. We have to go. We have to go. So um, I think that actually Nancy and Frank had asked for the limo from Count Chocula because they were like, we have to go to whatever. So anyway, it's, it's waiting out front. They get inside, and they're like, to the Met. And Francois, the driver, is like, I do what I'm told. And starts driving. And they are not going to the Met. They are going in the opposite direction. And Nancy's like, what is, what's, what's going on, hon? I mean, do, do you know where it is? Because it ain't this way. And he's like, I'm going to do what I'm told. And then he rolls up the divider. By this point, they're like, how could we not have seen this? He was in on it the whole time. And the Count Chocula, of course. Count Chocula is the person who gives the orders, and Count Chocula ordered for the teens to be, like, abandoned at a pier somewhere, or possibly blown up with fiery explosive. So um, Nancy's like, how are we going to get out of this? Because, of course, like, the doors are locked. There's no way for to get out, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, okay, I've got this. So she gets close to the divider, and she's like, she puts... um some she like smacks the yellow substance onto the divider and she's like francois you know what this is and he's like (gasps) and she's like don't think i won't do it and she takes out her headphones like starts stripping off the insulation and like sticks the wires into the yellow stuff and he like flips out and like abandons the the limo because she's basically like you're going out with us bitch um so, of course, everybody in the car is like, oh, my God, what the fuck did you just do? And Nancy's like, this was that yellow face stuff that Bess made me buy. It was not plastic explosive. I would not do such a thing. Because, honestly, I was like, when did you have a crash course in just basic general explosives? 
was it offered at the local community college? Did you read all the anarchist cookbook and then just decide that you were going to freestyle it? Like what is happening here? Anyway, so, um, so now they're out of the van, the, the limo, but, uh, the van full of kidnappers slash assailants is very near them. And so as soon as they get out of the limo, they have to basically make a run for it. So they end up at like the end of a pier, um, is, is just real, real weird. I think that, um, I think that they do get into the limo, but they have to abandon it because then the limo is like a huge target. So they drive it to a place that they're like, well, if they follow us then they're going to get stuck or some shit. And I think they end up blowing a tire, blah, blah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So they get away from the, the people. I, I guess they get a taxi. Yeah, I think they do. She's like, yeah, get to the, get to the mountain, step on it and blah, blah. And then he's like, something smells delicious because all the cabbies in this entire damn book are smart asses. So he's like, something smells delicious. And like, Bess just casually reaches over and breaks some chocolate off of Joe because everything's a metaphor. Everything. She's like, you are delicious. And I was like, y'all gonna bang. Like, give in to the tension. You and Justin Timberlake just like a screen door. Um, anyway, so again, he's, he's been covered in chocolate. He's had a night. Um, so most of it's rubbed off, but he still smells delicious. So anyway, they get to the Met and they're like, we have to get in there. There's something bad's about to happen. And the person at the door is like, I don't care who the fuck you are. Y'all ain't dressed for this. So no, which again, one thing I love about this book, again, other than them showing that Nancy has all the brain cells, is that if this were a different kind of book that were setting up something different, then I strongly, strongly suggest that Nancy would be like, oh, I have bought a formal gown for this very event, and she would be wearing it, and she would have her hair up, and Frank would have rented a tux, and they would be looking at each other like, it's like prom, and we're going to make eyes at each other. But that is not at all what's going on right now. So Nancy's like, okay, I guess we can't get in. And so then they run into the kitchen and, and find some chef's uniforms because that's how this always fucking works. Like the, the same ones that are being used by the weight staff. So um, all four of them managed to get in there wearing the waiter uniforms um, or their server uniforms. The prince is there. Count Chocula is there, of course. Um, a bunch of dignitaries are there waiting for the UN signing basically for the Sorbonne that that's not the name of it I looked in the book and I was like oh okay I'm wrong I refuse to change um the Sorbonne to announce that they are joining um so there's a centerpiece at each table that has a crown on it because of course the crown looks like the crown jewels that they had checked out earlier in the book and Joe's like that's why they look familiar and I was like again the anvils of foreshadowing the anvils where are Fiona and her father? Fuck you for asking. How dare you? How dare? Like, we don't care. Plastic explosive, y'all. Plastic explosive. So, um, I think that, like, Bess is the one who's like, oh, you have to get out of here. You're in danger. It's, it's real, real bad. Um, they note that the crowns are on all the tables um, as centerpieces. And Nancy's like, oh, we're all going to die here. Okay. But that figure out like where the detonation is going to happen. And they eventually settle on the DJ booth because there's gonna, there's a DJ. You've inspired me to hire a DJ. So they're like, this makes sense because there'd be a lot of wiring up there. And of course, at first, Nancy's like, oh, that's cute. The prince has decided to be hip and with it and hire a DJ. And then she's like, hold on. 
Yeah. Because Count Chocula goes over there and he's like deep in conversation with the DJ. And so, um, whenever Bess is like, um, you have to get out of here or something bad's going to happen. Like this is after the prince has given like a little speech and he's like, I'm glad that all of you are here to see this momentous day and everything. And like right after that is when they're like, yeah, this place is about to fucking blow. Um, so that's the point at which they're like, Count Chocula, you were behind this the whole time. And he's like, yes, because remember that tiny, tiny section on political experience earlier in this book when we were talking about that country? Yeah. He supported the dictatorship and he never stopped. And even after other people like drifted away from it because they were like, this is unworkable. He was like, I'm going to just be a full blown Nazi. So yeah, he, he wanted to take over the country by force and he sees the princess standing in his way. And this is, we're never going to join the UN. Fuck you. And yeah. So the DJ does indeed have the detonator. And so I think that he like primes the shit and then the Count Chocula has the real, I neither know nor care. Um, so they're talking to him and he's like, yes, you, you're such an, a dumbass and it's everything. And Nancy's like, you hired the kidnappers to, to get best. And he was like that gold digging whore, like it barely matters. And yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so they, they tackle Count Chocula, the, but he presses the detonator, but it doesn't matter because Joe, Justin Timberlake, has cut the wires between the crowns and the DJ booth. I was like, sure, I'm sure they were clearly marked, just so that everyone would know that this was for explosive. But anyway, yeah, so... Good times all around. Um, as soon as they're like, there's a bomb, like everybody in the room panics and starts trying to flee for the exits. And it's just a, a chaotic scene of just absolute, absolute devastation. Um, yeah, so nothing explodes. Um, everything is okay. The cops show up and are like, okay, disaster teens, what have you done now? And they're like, we have thwarted an assassination attempt. Which, Again, NYPD just falling down on the job in all possible ways. Um, so yeah, they're out there on the um sidewalk, the um everybody's milling around when they see two people, like a kind of portly older gentleman and a young boy with him. Or a younger man with him anyway. And they look over and they're like, It's Fiona. And and so they're like, stop, thief, and they run after them, and the duo jumps into a cab and speeds off, having left a duffel bag on the sidewalk with the crown jewels inside. And the teenagers are like, fuck yeah, we are the hottest teen detectives in the United States. And I was like, this literally fell into your laps. Like, you no, no. Oh my god, like, okay, the primary thing that you were hired to do was to find the cat burglars. You did not. You figured out who their identity was, but again, they're good at hiding it. Um, you were sure they were going to steal the jewels. They actually did. <laughs> they actually did. They went upstairs during all of the chaos, and they walked the fuck out with them. So they succeeded. Like, oh my god, y'all. Like, you had one job, and it was to stand guard over those crown jewels, and also maybe detonate some bombs. I don't know. Um, detonate. Listen to me. Defuse. 
Yeah, so they, they recovered the crown jewels, which is what they were supposed to do in the first place, due to sheer luck. Also, why didn't they just haul ass? It's fine. Um, yeah, yeah. So. So, now that everything has been tied up in a nice, neat little bow, um, yeah, the prince just longed for being known for who he was, and he like rails at Count Chocula who he's like, She's she loves me for me. These teenagers love me for me and it's it's great and I feel like everywhere I go I'm poor little rich well known boy and you're like, Yeah, just keep playing. I'm gonna have I'm gonna get my tiniest violin out for you, hon. It's fine. Anyway, so at the end of the book, they're at the airport and it's time to go home and Nancy's like, How did it go with the prince? And she's like yeah, he said this whole experience has taught him to, to that he's going to be a, a good grown-up now and, and go home and rule like he was supposed to do the whole time. And so I'm probably never going to see him again. And Nancy, you've got the right idea. You don't catch feelings on these cases. And Nancy's like, yeah, I really don't catch feelings on these cases. That's so right. And then she looks over at Frank and she's like, oh, damn it. Like, Again, the book is trying to be like, oh, and there's attraction between them while sharing, showing like none of, it's not doing any of the legwork. It's just like, yes, you two are so similar. You would make a good couple, which I know a significant number of people in the fandom are like, Nancy and Frank need to be together. My argument to this is always, first off, that I loathe him. But beyond that, setting that aside completely, they're too similar they are too similar. They, like, their lives are going to be, like, tracking people down, and it's just, it would not work. It, they, it wouldn't work. You need a sane one in this relationship. You need somebody who was like, maybe we should make reservations for things. Maybe we should take a step back and consider the options when these two are not that. They are absolutely not that. So, good times all around. Um, yeah, so they're at the airport, and um, the the prince has returned to his home nation. Um, Joe gives Nancy a big old hug. Justin Timberlake just catching one last feel, and he's like, "Yeah, we, we had good times, didn't we?" And so he looks over at Bess, and Bess again. We're at the pre-relationship stage for these two, where he's like, "It was great to see you, and I'm sorry about the prince." and Bess is like, I'm sorry that you were trying to bang the the person who was behind the crimes that we were investigating. So we we both have excellent judgment of character. We're just living there. It's it's a thing we have that, you know, it's a curse and also a gift. So Nancy looks at Frank and I'm only lightly editing this. I want to make that clear. And I'm not actually changing the meaning, okay? Nancy looks over at Frank and she's like, what should I say to him that you make me so confused I can't even think straight? And I was like, correct. He's ba- He's Matt LeBlanc again. He has faded back into his natural persona. Like, again, awkward as all hell. Just dumb as a bag of hammers. Just, mm, mm. like... Again, the book is trying to force this, like, oh my gosh, they're attracted to each other. And you're like, but are they? Like, just you telling me is not enough. Just you being like, yes, they looked at each other and were like, yeah. And again, I'm not normal, so that might be part of it. But it's also like, you're, it's unearned. <laughs> you're trying to say there was all this back history between the two of them that absolutely is not reflected on the page and not depicted through flashbacks. It's just very much like, oh, yes. 
we should date because we are both Instagram influencers. Like, it's... Uh, yeah. And that's how the book ends. Like, the book just ends with them at the airport and be like, yeah, we're going to go home and it's going to be great. And not even, like, something like, oh, and, and that's going to be home when I get there. I was like, I would, I would accept that. I would accept that over this whole, like, awkward goodbye at the fucking airport where you're like you're so weird you're just so not even delightfully weird so good job good job what has this book taught us okay when I first read this it taught me about plasticine so that was a fun thing for me to learn about I was like plastic explosive day glow yellow plastic explosive that you can smear on things and then stick some wires in and it go boom so that's what I learned about um otherwise the Hardys are good for absolutely nothing. I feel like that's, like, incontrovertible at this point. Um, other than knowing escape hatches slash Prohibition-era tunnels, you're just doing everything badly. Just, mm. And again, like, I was, I'm trying to imagine this as a Hallmark movie, and I think you could probably pull it off if it was, like, from Bess's perspective, like, I've joined my private detective friend and we are going to be taking a romantic trip to New York City and it's going to be great and I'm going to meet a guy and oh no, he's a prince. Oh no, I've been kidnapped twice. My thing is, and they keep like tiptoeing around this and not telling Buzz. It's like, okay, he fucking left you in that abandoned building with the kidnappers. He did that. That was all on him. He chose to do that. Um, and yeah, they just don't even, they're like, let Bess have her illusions. And I was like, I would want to know that. I mean, even if I were blinded by sick jealousy and just wanted so badly for this guy to be as into me as I was into him, which is clearly not happening here. Um, there's one point of this where like Nancy is looking around for Bess and she finds Bess like behind a couch with the prince and it's like they're cuddling and I was like y'all interrupted them mid-bang but they're like yeah we were trying to stay away from Count Chocula and you're like sure you were no no just so incredibly bad um yeah I don't know I mean all members of New Kids on the Block have disavowed all knowledge (laughs) I do love it though I love it. I wanted Marky Mart to, to appear and plant a celebrity tree, but alas, it was not to be. Maybe next time. Maybe next time he will plant a celebrity tree. Um, yeah. This book is a fucking hot mess. I think I remember that from my first reading when I was like, okay, this is never going to happen again. Clearly it has. But only because I'm putting myself through this. Of being like, yeah, let me read some Nancy Drew Hardy Boys books so that I can relive some past trauma so that, you know, We'll just see how it's going. We'll just poke that wound and see if the scar tissue is there. Yeah. Uh, seriously, ev- everything about this is just dumb as shit. The NYPD called them in and then, like, interacts with them not at all. Um, Fiona and her father are the cat burglars, and it's still, like, maybe maybe put out pictures of them. Maybe let people know about them. I don't know. I don't know. Just saying. But no, they're like, no, it's fine. And at the end of the book, again, they're not apprehended. Like, you could clearly see them popping up in a future book, and I really don't think that happens, because, again, if we've got a bunch of different ghostwriters, they're not necessarily going to be wanting to bring back intellectual property from another ghostwriter, slash, that's a lot of continuity to keep up, so they're just like, peace out, bye. 
So good, good job all around. I do also love that Fiona had perfect teeth, and I was like, she's lying about that accent, girl. You, mm, Justin Timberlake, you, you have been blinded by that. That dick is just doing a lot of work to convince you that she's a good person, and it's wrong. Not, not dirty wrong. Just plain wrong. Just, just plain wrong. Um, yeah. So, again. I wanted Bess and Joe to just hook up in this book because clearly uh, I was, they were earning that more than the whole bullshit Nancy Frank garbage. Anyone, charisma and interaction and the chemical spark between any two people is stronger than what's happening between the two of them. Like, oh my God, dumpster fire. Like, we are the most awkward people around each other. And again, it ain't cute. It ain't, it ain't. Yeah. Anyway. And yeah, the prince is safe so that he can go lead his country and not marry her like in the end of The Prince and Me. <sighs> we don't even get a on one knee, one bended knee proposal. It's just like, she's a gold digging whore. I'm going to get an apology for that you're going to write to my parents about that. And it's like, oh, okay. I mean, to the point that even Bess is like, oh, we should order dessert. And Count Chocula is like, Yes, I think there will be plenty of money for furs later. And Bess is like, or not, like, buzzkill. Anyway. Yeah, this is what happens when your uncle by marriage is a fascist. That's that's the real moral of the story. Okay, next time for season 13. Ooh, lucky 13. Um, we're going to kick off with the clue of the whistling bagpipes. Nancy's going to head to Scotland, y'all. On the cover, she's depicted with some fucking bagpipes, or as I've seen on Facebook, the overcomplicated bong. Like, yeah. I love it, though. I love that she's got bagpipes. She's like, I'm going all in, y'all. If I'm going to go to Scotland, going to be playing some bagpipes, going to be wearing a kilt. Like, accept it. Accept that I'm going to go big or go home, or both of those things at once. So... We also get some cute stuff about Nancy's family, which again, doesn't come up that much in the book. So it's always fun to learn about our family. So, so that's what we'll be doing next time. I think that this episode is going to be released for the first time on Black Friday, 2022. So if so, stay safe out there, Americans. If you're not American, also stay safe out there because who knows what's happening for you. Hopefully it's a good Friday for you. Just an excellent Friday. Um, all points. And as always, stay sleuthy, my friends.